0: As <clears> a <throat> uh uh-huh. And and King to call you and Stand with the fear of God. Let us hear the holy gospel. Bless, O oh Lord, in the reading of the Holy Gospel according to Saint John. May His blessings be with us all. Amen. Blessed be He who comes in the name of the Lord, our Lord and God, Savior and King of us all, Jesus Christ, Son of the Living God to him is glory forever and ever, amen. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. The one who comes to me will not be hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But I told you that you have seen me And yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who is coming to me, I will in no way reject. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of the one who sent me. This is the will of my Father who sent me that of all he has given me I should lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. The Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said to them, do not murmur among yourselves, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me.
1: and the son and the holy spirit one god amen sorry my mouse is lagging um and i printed out the wrong um the wrong pages um um, that's going to be the greeting until the day of pentecost actually we'll we'll switch to christ is risen and ascended after ascension but um it's a reminder and, and you should start your greetings with that whether it's your text messages or your phone messages or your emails um this is this is the way you're supposed to uh do your greetings um during this this time of year so the reading from today a lot of these readings are readings that um we've read we read and we will read at different times of the year um but they're meant to bring in different meanings when they're said in different contexts so for example um Next week, we'll read the Samaritan woman again, even though we're used to reading the Samaritan woman um, during uh, Lent. And in Lent, we read it with a focus on repentance, whereas in Paschal Tide or Pentecost time, um, the season of of the feast, we read it completely different. So John 6 um, is is where this gospel is taken from. And in, in a way, it's meant to call us to remember something very important, which is that we're all going to die. <laughs> um, I know we don't like to always uh, draw attention to that point, but that is that is what we're what we're being reminded of, because this whole thing is about the bread of life, about how do we become alive. So. The bread of life, bread gets baked in an oven, okay? Um, the yeast in it, quote unquote, dies and then rises, right? It's the resurrection. And Christ is intentionally using food here because we all understand very well um, that what we need to live is sustenance. We do need, we do need food, right? And so that it's not an analogy for, for nothing. Um, and we don't get the benefits of food um, by just knowing about food, right? Nobody can say, oh, I'm so full because um, I talked about food, right? That's not going to be um, the way to get there. You're going you're gonna to become full um, if, you, if you eat, not just by knowing about it. So before we get into all of that, the context of this story is the feeding of the multitude okay um right before this discourse um right before this discourse has been the the jews had this incredible miracle that they witnessed or that they got to participate in um where they got to eat and they were really excited that they got to eat and these are like a lot of us where we come to jesus because of the benefits right where um the jews were really excited that they're like okay Actually, if you chill with Jesus, if you spend time with Jesus, you get free food. Um, some of us, it's the miracles. Some of us, it's the feel good. Sometimes it's just the gathering, but that's why they came. And there was so much food that there had been left over, and they've never seen anything like this, and so they're they're excited. Now, they want more food, right? So in this story, they've they've crossed aside to the sea. Um, so if, I don't, it's hard to, I can't uh, display it on here. I'll have to figure out how to do that in a future time. But there is, if you can picture a small lake, a Californian style lake, pardon me, that's really more like a circle, okay? So if this is the lake, this, this, this circle, um, our Lord with his disciples was somewhere around over here. Okay, now they were taking a boat to go over here, him and the disciples. And it says that the people went running to arrive over here before he arrives and they're not running because they're anxious to hear what he has to say. They want more food. (laughs) Right. And so this discourse that we're hearing is God saying, this isn't the food that I'm about. This isn't what I'm about. I'm not about a good meal. I can provide a good meal. But that's not what I'm about. That's not my mission. That's not who I am. Okay. Who I am is literally the bread, the, the 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 name of God Himself. This is how the gospel starts says, I am is bread. I'm real bread. Okay. So in your world, this is what St. John's Gospel is about, of where things are um are made. Okay, in your world, Um, of things that are mortal, of things that are really fleshly, of things that decay and corrupt and come to an end, you have normal bread. But God, the I am, literally God, is the bread that brings life, real life. Your bodily life comes to an end. Your fleshly bread, it comes to an end. It can rot, it can decay, just like your bread can actually rot and decay. But me, No, I'm a different kind of of bread. I'm the real kind of bread, the kind that doesn't decay, the kind that when you eat it, you can live forever. And this is the reason why we're reading it in this context differently than we did because we did read this during Holy Week, right? And that in Holy Week, we're reading it to say, he's telling them about who he is and that he is going to die and rise. Now we're reading it having already celebrated that he's died and rose. And he's saying that before the resurrection, this is why the church is saying now, before the resurrection, um, you lived according to the flesh, okay? Before the resurrection, you lived according to your body. That made sense. It actually made sense because all you saw in front of you was that things died. That's the only thing that you ever saw. The only guarantee that you ever had was that you were going to die. That's all you saw. And that is also true of us, to some extent. But what's different about this reading being read now is that it's saying that, but not anymore, because we became witnesses that Christ rose. So now the meaning that Christ had about this extends beyond the literal. And, he, and we're now looking at it saying, you no longer live for the body, You live for the whole person, which is body, soul, and spirit. So we still have to eat. God isn't canceling out that food is still a necessity, right? We still have to have a meal. But he's saying that now you are spiritual and you have to eat the spiritual food. And you have to live the spiritual way. And Christ says, well, what is that? He goes, okay, me, I am the bread of life. How do I live? I live to do the will of him that sent me. I live to be for the father, telling us that that's what we need to do if we're going to eat from this from this food, right? So our Lord lives in a particular way. If my eating of the Lord, okay, this food that I take from my spirit, if my eating the Lord means to be the Lord, to put on Christ, to take the incarnate Lord, then I have to ask who is the incarnate Lord? Because I'm I am participating, I am partaking, I am taking Eucharist of the Incarnate Lord. It is a very big deal that we're not having Eucharist overall right now, right? So to partake of Christ is to partake literally in the incarnation. It makes you part of the incarnation, it makes you an incarnate member of the body of Christ. And that demands of you. It demands. It's not a. It's not a suggestion. It demands of you to live righteously, right? That's why it's not popular these days. And I'm not going to talk about what are the right practices and wrong practices. But it's there's a question mark of whether or not if I take participate in Eucharist, whether I should or shouldn't if I'm living righteously or not. It's not about deserving. It's not about deserving. None of us deserve it. But it's a question of am i living what this eucharist means to partake in it that i'm taking something really intimate christ's own body that he gave up for the life of the world that i don't really believe in why am i saying don't believe in because believing is not saying yes to a bunch of beliefs that's part of it right so we recite the creed as part of prayer because we believe in it that's part of membership into this club okay called Christianity, no problem. But part of the membership is belief that shows in my action, right? Because how can I say I believe and be different? That's what the other readings were about this morning that we didn't read. I'm considering maybe changing how we do these sermons um, during COVID, because maybe it'll be better to read each of the readings and and, and understand them rather than than this, this style. Because how can I say I believe, especially what we talked about last week, how can I say I believe and be the same person that I don't really believe? I just like the idea of something. But to partake in Eucharist, to eat the bread of life, to accept this communion is to say, I live with you. I become part of you. And that means that I have to live righteously. Do we do that? Do we think about that? Do we actually think about from day to day what we're doing and not doing do we think about our conduct, and do we think about our conduct as being a sign of the life that's in us or not? I don't know that I always do, right? And so it's a question that each one of us um, really must ask: Do I fulfill the gospel, right? Because this is what this is what Christ did in the flesh, right? And I'm participating in Him. Do I, do I live the gospel? And I know I, I, I might seem to overtalk about that. I don't think it's possible to overtalk about that, right? Because the gospel is our existence. It is our identity, right? Where, where, where are we walking the walk of Christ? And do we take it to where Christ took it? Where Christ takes his will and lays it down all the way to giving down his life for others? The Father's will is your resurrection. That's what Christ says explicitly here. He says, that's the Father's will, that I lose none of you, okay? And, and we have to ask, do we want that? Do we live according to the resurrection? This is, what, this is the whole question mark with today's gospel. Or do you live according to the Old Testament, that your body just ends up dead? So how do you live post-resurrection? How you live is the sign of your belief. But I really just, I hope you can just pause for a moment and and think about that as a concept. Just just what does the resurrection mean? What does it mean to take in in that body? Okay? Because if Christ is not risen, then there's only death. think about that. That's really what it means. It means that there's only death. I remember personally on a personal level when I was considering atheism at some point, um, I had had in my mind, maybe I should just kill myself after a few years. And I'm, I'm hesitant to say that out loud online because I'm scared of, of how it might get used, but um, not from depression, not from from something like that, but of saying there's no meaning. If, there, if, if Christ isn't real, if Christ isn't who he said he is, if Christ is not risen, there is no meaning to anything. Everything is random, including suffering. Everything would just become random. It now has no end, right? In your relationships, whether it's in your married relationships, your friendships, your, your family relationships, if there is no meaning to them, what's the point of them? What's the point of suffering through difficulty in marriage if there's no point to marriage? It's useless. Why bother suffering? Same thing about life, right? If, if, there's, if the end point of everything is death, then there's no point in suffering. Resurrection changes that. Resurrection gives hope. That's what resurrection does. It does something completely different of saying, wait. So there's a point to this. So there's something else. There's another alternative. There's something else that could happen, right? That new option is what gives us hope, right? It tells us that there's something new. It tells us that there's something else, that the end isn't death, okay? Imagine imagine going through high school knowing that no matter what you do, you're never going to pass and you're never going to get your diploma. why would you do it? Right? Imagine if you eat right, you eat healthy, knowing that no matter what you did, you're going to be obese. What's the point? There's no hope. There's no, there's no hope that comes out of me eating properly. So why bother? Right? That those are what become the questions when there are no Meanings, right? That's why the Pharisees and the Sadducees used to debate about whether there's a resurrection or not, because it really would change how you live, right? It has a real implication if you really believe in the resurrection. Um, but because the savior is risen, that body that you eat is now life giving. Because you're not eating the body, the bread of life that you're eating is not the body of a dead man. It's the body of the risen Lord, which means that you can participate in resurrection and its effects both here and in the future. Here, and that you have ability now over everything. In the future, and that you're you're going to also rise. Right? That's the body of, of, of who you're eating. That's why when St. Athanasius talks about the resurrection and on the incarnation, which if you haven't read, you really should read. He's like, look at how resurrection has turned the world upside down. He was like young, young men and women who live in a hedonistic world, just like we do, are becoming monks and nuns, right? He's saying men and women who are fit and gorgeous and, 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 and having time of their life are lining up for martyrdom. Why? Because they saw that resurrection was real. And if it was real, that they had hope beyond these fleshly things. He's not even saying those things are intrinsically wrong. He's saying that there's something much better, much bigger um, than all of those. And so the resurrection also gives you meaning. It gives the meaning, right? When I was saying, okay, if there's no... If there's no point, if everything is is basically damned if we do, damned if we don't. I'm going to be fat no matter what. I'm going to fail no matter what. I'm going to die no matter what, right? Then we said that there's no meaning to anything. But if there is life, there's an end, there's a t loss, there's a direction, then I now have meaning. I finally become a person who has meaning. That's huge. That's actually huge. Because now there's a point to what I'm doing, right? So if I'm at the gym working out and doing crunches, okay, if crunches don't give me abs, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm weird. If I'm just you know, forcing my body into these crunches. And people can rightfully look at you and laugh at you and say, what are you doing? And, and you're going to be struggling to find a meaning, right? Maybe it'll be like, oh, this just makes me laugh. Okay, at least you found a meaning. But the action itself didn't have a meaning, right? It itself didn't have a meaning. The meaning was the abs. The meaning was the end result. And so if the end result of death, death, physical death, is resurrection, then my death can only have meaning if there really is resurrection if there isn't really resurrection then the death becomes meaningless and if the death is meaningless with all due respect to all of you so is your life because if the end result of your living whatever you're living right now looks like is just death then the meaning of your life is death that's what christ is saying I'm the bread of life. Your living is literally about a physical maintenance. And so your physical meaning is found in earthly bread. Understand that. Just pause thing about that. He's saying, if the end result of your living is dying, then everything about your living is dying. Your food, your drink, your raiment, your clothes, everything that you do, all of it, all of it leads to death therefore the meaning of your life is death i'm telling you eat me because i am resurrection and suddenly everything in your dying becomes living it's extraordinary you now have a meaning and that's what the martyrs of the early church were able to see. We're celebrating a whole bunch of them this month, right? That's what St. George could see. That's what St. Mark, this Friday, we could see. It's also what St. Pachomius and St. Athanasius could see, right? St. Athanasius, I'm referring to because his feast is in two weeks, and he wrote so much about this, right? We find meeting. Life is no longer about sex money, power. That's what Saint Athanasius says in On the Incarnation. He's saying because all of those things that have ends, they end. But he's saying, but these children of the resurrection, they're running after life. They're doing something completely different, right? They're living. They're really, really, really living, okay? It's natural, as Saint Athanasius says, He says, for it is natural to man to feel cowardice at death and the dissolution of the body. That's normal, he's saying. Who doesn't think about that moment where your spirit leaves your body and not have fear? He's saying the only thing that can change that is Christ, if we really find meaning in him. Okay, so resurrection, if you're living the bread of life, if you're eating the bread of life, you have a different meaning. To eating and drinking. It's completely different. And finally, this last thing we'll meditate on is power, which apparently a lot of people want, um, but resurrection gives power. Imagine if someone dangles a threat in front of you all the time, okay, saying, if you don't do this, I'm not going to give you this thing that you want, right? That person has Power over me because now I have to do that thing in order to do it, and they can manipulate me, they can make me feel like garbage, they can do whatever they want to me, really nice or mean. But I'm at their mercy, right? I'm stuck dealing with them on their terms. That is what the devil used for all of the Old Testament, that's why the devil had power over death because the end result was you guys are going to die no matter what and this death business that's my game right he ruled over us because death was our sure guarantee it was hopeless so people were at at a loss of what to do against it because there was nothing they could do to prevent it Right? That they were just like, whatever I do, I'm I'm faced with that. I'm going to die. But now, in Christ, we're saying, I'm not afraid of that moment. That moment no longer has authority over me. Death and the dominion of death. Right? And why are we saying the devil's domain? Because God is life. Okay? God is life. He himself, his usayah, his, his actual essence, he is life. Okay. So if God is life, right, then, 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 then death is not the domain of, 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 of living. That's not what God is. That's not what God is about. And so now I don't have to be afraid of that. Right. I'm glad to say it in a moment like this, because it's, it's not usually seen as acceptable to say at funerals. But the mourning and the screaming and the wailing at a funeral, what does it mean? What does it really mean? If you get angry when somebody dies, and I'm not saying angry at an injustice, or anything, but that they're dead. Right? If your faith in God wavers because somebody died because it was a child or because it was a disease or because it was a cancer or because it was a drunk driver, right? Any kind of death that wasn't old age, right? If you're angry and upset and worked up about it or your faith is tried, you have no idea what Christianity is about. I can say that from the comfort of a non-funeral sermon. If you say that at a funeral, you'll get stoned by everybody of like Mandush Albi has no heart, he's he's whatever. I have a heart, right? I understand the crying at the loss. I understand the crying at the loss of physical presence. Those are all human. Those are all fine. I'm not criticizing that. I'm saying if the reason for your struggling is because they died, in your view, and they shouldn't have, then you don't have the power of resurrection. You don't believe in it. You have to ask, when you're participating in the bread of life, what do you believe in? When you partake of Eucharist, what do you believe in? The risen Lord, are you living for the resurrection? Does your power come the resurrection? Because if you believe in the resurrection, that moment of death means nothing negative. It's actually an exciting moment where it's like, ha, 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 this is where I show you God's real because I resurrect in in Christ. I'm showing you humans who are alive. As St. Athanasius said in the fourth century, my lack of fear of death is a proof to you that Christ is risen My lack of fear of death is because Christos anisti. If I don't have that attitude, I don't have power. I am not living in the resurrection. I'm not. If that's how I view death, I'm not in the resurrection. Right? St. Nathanael says it. He says, is this then a slight proof of the weakness of death? Right? of how powerful we are and how weak death is? Or is it a small index of the victory achieved over it by the Savior when youth and young maidens in Christ look beyond the present life and discipline themselves to die? The stories of the Gallican martyrs, of Perpetua and Felicity, these are early church stories of people who died, and her companions at Carthage, or the boy martyr Pancras at Rome. Saint Athanasius is is driving, or sorry, Irenaeus um, pulls these comparisons and 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 he further says the work of a christian is nothing else than than to study to die that's not morbid okay it's not morbid it's saying that we must if we really believe in the bread of life that we're partaking we must show it and it shows by your power There's a reason why the cross gives power over Satan. The resurrection is the reason that the cross has power. Because if Christ was not risen, then crosses just wood. Dead wood. Not any kind of wood. Dead wood. But because the one who was on it rose... Now it has power. It only has power because Christos anisti. That is why we ought to be shouting from the rooftops with joy. I really, I challenge all of you, every single one of your emails, every single one of your texts, even your voicemail greeting on your answering machine. Change it to Christ is risen. Christ is risen. You have reached the voicemail of whoever you want, but Christ is risen. I'm going to write you a message. Christ is risen. What food are you eating? Are you eating the bread of life to resurrection or the bread of life to earth? Because if you are, then you shouldn't be afraid of how secular people are going to react because St. Paul is saying in his epistle, we need to live this. We need to show this, right? And and are you, (laughs) right? Or are you afraid? Are you afraid of the powers of the earth that die? That you're too afraid to say Christ is risen. I'm not even saying go club them in the face and tell them they're, they're 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 messed up. But I'm saying, are you too afraid to even say Christos Anisti on your voicemail when these people were lining up to die for it? Have you claimed your role and position in the household of God, right? That was part of the epistles this morning too. Do you have the power of resurrection? St. Paul in the epistle earlier um, raises a kid who died because he fell asleep during paul's sermon right but paul's like oh no big deal i'll raise him up by the power of the resurrection do we live in that power the way to live in that power is to eat of the bread of life which is expressed most fully in eucharist which we are longing and praying for okay but it is also in the way that you live in your victory over the body and your living for the spirit not in living for the flesh and fulfilling the gospel and fulfilling the identity of Christ who is our resurrection may we all say with joy with power with conviction with hope Christ is risen from the dead trampling down death by his death and unto those in the tomb us he has bestowed life. To Him be glory, honor, and majesty, now and forever, and unto the age of all ages. Amen. Glory be to God forever. Amen. Beloved God the Father, the grace unto be God and the Son. The communion that gives be with you all. Go in peace. The peace of the Lord be with you all.